0: Governor Tombini, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Craig Calhoun, the director of the LSE, and it's one of the great privileges and honors as director to be able to welcome you all to the LSE campus, to welcome Governor Alexandra Tombini of the Banco Central de Brazil, and to chair this morning's lecture. As we're on a tight schedule, I will keep my remarks brief. Alexandra Tombini, Governor of the Central Bank of Brazil, a position he has held since January 2011, is a member of the BIS Board of Directors and also holds the position of co chair of the FSB Regional Group of the Americas and chairman of TEMLA's Board of Governors. Previous to joining the board of the Central Bank of Brazil, he was senior advisor to the board of the International Monetary Fund in Washington, D.C. Earlier in his career, he has held various senior positions in banking and international trade, working for the central bank, but also the Brazilian government, and at the University of Brasilia. Mr. Tombini holds a PhD degree in economics from the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and an undergraduate degree from the University of Brasilia. I think you will know with me that this is an exciting opportunity. Brazil is one of the most important countries in the increasingly complex uh, world of global financial relations. For those Twitter users in the audience, the hashtag for today's event is hash LSE Brazil. Mm-hmm. Governor Combini and I have already discussed. That This is an on-the-record conversation, Um, and so he is aware that uh, markets may uh, change all around the world just during the course of his remarks to you. As usual after the lecture, there will be a chance for you to put your questions to Governor Tambini, but now will you please join me in welcoming Governor Tambini to the LSE. His lecture is entitled, Brazil's Economic Outlook.
1: everyone. Thank you very much, Professor Craig, for this very nice introduction. Uh, I'm here uh, today. It's a great uh, honor to be uh, at LSE, a very renowned uh, center for studies in in economics. Uh, When I was uh, in my PhD days in the early, uh, mid-1980s, I once came here to the LSE to visit, and it was a great moment uh, to see uh, the kind of work that this uh, uh, institution was uh, carrying on in, in the field of economics. Uh, we have had uh, close relationships with with the with the institution, <clears throat> you know, since uh, 1999. We have implemented a monetary framework based on inflation targeting and we came here, came to, to the UK, we uh, visit with the Bank of England, we were able to participate in a Monetary Policy Committee meeting, the first day where they had people invited uh, from uh, other central banks, other institutions, we participated in that, and we came here to talk to Professor Goodhart which was one of the founders of uh, Inflation Target in the UK. Myself and the Deputy Governor at the time and another colleague spent the whole afternoon discussing the challenges that that the UK faced to to implement this policy framework here. Certainly we benefited from that. So I'm I'm, I'm greatly honored to to be here today. Uh, These are very interesting times for uh, the world economy for uh, global financial markets, and certainly for central banks. We, uh, in Brazil, I want to, to, to talk to you about how we are uh, doing these days in terms of uh, how we are uh, acting in this new global financial environment. And uh, I think the message that I want to convey to you is that, uh, first, the normalization of global financial conditions Five years after GFC, it's a very welcome sign. It's a sign that uh, the advanced world advanced that was hardly affected by, was in the middle of this whole thing, is now uh, recovering. And if there is normalization, it has to do with the fact that uh, uh, the economies are uh, gaining some traction and, and the authorities are more comfortable to allow for, for the normalization process to to take hold. So this is is important. We also have said that uh, this process has to be gradual, well communicated, and the authorities have to exercise caution and flexibility in the process of uh, retiring uh, this unprecedented level of stimulus that we have seen in the area of uh, monetary policy in advanced economics. I think uh, the underlying economy and here they're talking about for instance the US which is more advanced in this process, the fact that it's recovering is positive, it's a six trillion plus dollars economy. So they will, this will benefit the global economy going forward, international trade and emerging markets. But we have to deal with the transition consequences with the transition period, the consequence over markets and and I would like to to focus my presentation, of course, in Brazil in a number of areas, And but with this idea in mind that for us it's a, it's a welcome development and we have to, to manage the, the transition issues that uh, are uh, before us. So the first slide here is just uh, general facts about Brazil that you might know quite well. It's a large country in terms of territory, 8.5, uh, million uh, square kilometers. It's a country whose population stood to the world of 201 million uh, people. The last uh, uh, survey that we had, the number is still 199 if I'm not mistaken, but uh, we also, we already have uh, a number that's beyond 200 million people now in Brazil. And uh, so if, uh, if you go if you to the next uh, page, you'll see something about demographics in Brazil, which is basically, in the first uh, part of the slide, you see the uh, age structure of the Brazilian population. You see a high concentration on uh, uh, working age of the Brazilian population. And on the other side of the picture, you see the dependency ratio. and You see that in Brazil, the dependency ratio is low, and it's still declining. It means that you have more people in working age than people uh, outside the working age, in the coming years up to 2025 you still have a very low uh, dependency ratio which is what economists call this uh, demographic bonus that we need to take advantage, we need to advance in terms of uh, having a sustainable social security system going forward because the population is aging but it still is in a very uh, favorable position compared to other economies. Let me just say a few words on, on the progress that has been made in the last uh, couple of decades. Um, we have been able to grow the Brazilian economy on the one hand, but grow with inclusion, with economic and financial inclusion. So we have been able to raise people out of the poverty, below the poverty line, to the order of 36 million people. We have been able to put around 40 million Brazilians into the so-called uh, new emerging uh, middle class which has uh, generated a very large, very sizable domestic consumption market in Brazil, which has been quite important for, uh, you know, allowing Brazil to weather well these vagaries of international, the international economy, of international financial markets through these last uh, five years. And in spite of some deceleration or marked deceleration in economic growth in the last three years, Brazil continued to generate jobs. In the, the 10 years from 2003 to 2012, uh, more than 18 million jobs were created in Brazil. In the last three, three years, 2011, 2012, 2013, in spite of growth being Accelerating up 2.7 in 2011, 1.0 in 2012, and we, we don't know yet, but around 2.3%. Last year, Brazil was able to create 4.5 million jobs during these last three years of slower growth than before. So, and we also have had a major uh, progress in terms of including people in the financial system. So we have progress at the central bank also. To disseminate the financial services industry, uh, not only geographically but also through uh, the Brazilian population, to have more access to financial services. You see this more; vi- it's more visible in the credit part of the equation, where we used to have 2002 around one fourth or one quarter of the, the quarter of the economy being uh, financed through bank, or 25 percent of GDP credit to GDP. And uh, now, in 2013, 55 percent. So we have doubled the penetration of uh, credit in the Brazilian economy, which is part of this uh, sort of su- successful story of bringing more people into the consumption market, bringing more people into uh, the uh, massive uh, uh, middle class. Maybe we can now. Let me, having said that, I will, at the end we will we'll focus in, 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 in the prospects for for the future, but now let me talk about three issues here, which are very current. Uh, One is inflation, what we're doing, how is inflation uh, uh, evolving in Brazil, Uh, the issue of growth short term and perhaps medium to long term, and the process of uh, this transition that I was mentioning, the exit from conventional monetary policy, how it's been dealt with in the case uh, of Brazil. Inflation. Uh, this has been this uh, recent history of inflation, consumer price inflation in Brazil, measured by the IPCA, which is the is a broad measure of consumer inflation in Brazil. The one that we use as uh, the uh, uh, the benchmark for for the inflation targeting system. And this is what ha- it has occurred since the implementation in 1999 19- of the inflation target. We had had some years of. Uh, Inflation deviated quite significantly from the target, but then the same system was capable of bringing inflation back, so we engineered this return of inflation towards uh, the, uh, the, the, the limits of the system uh, with, within uh, the inflation-targeting framework. This, this red part of it is, is the part of, red part of the, of the graph that you see is uh, the projection of the inflation report that was released in December 2013. Let's move on and see what uh, is the environment that the, the Brazilian Central Bank, the Central Bank of Brazil, is, is facing in fighting inflation during these days. Well, first of all, you have to see that we, we, since the peak of the Brazilian uh, exchange, the BRL, in mid-2011, the real has depreciated quite significantly in nominal terms. You can also see in this picture that we benefited from... The tailwinds of the very favorable terms of trade shocks that we enjoyed during the, the early part of the 2000s, and also uh, that uh, the uh, easing of monetary conditions in, that, in that advanced economies had also an impact on on the exchange rate, which it uh, appreciated significantly in the years prior to uh, the GFC and then. Uh, than prior to the 2011, mid-2011, as we see in this peak. But since then, we have had a major depreciation. So the peak was 156 reais to the dollar, and now something around 235, 240, as, as we speak. So this is a nominal depreciation of over 50%. So it's against this background that you, we are fighting. The past two, we are fighting inflation. Uh, the other uh, underlying force here is the labor market that I was just mentioning to you that in spite of a deceleration in growth, the labor market continued to generate jobs. We are at record low unemployment levels in Brazil. Uh, the formal job creation, as I mentioned, the last three bars, the 2.0, the 1.4, the 1.1, compounding the 4.5 uh, million that I was mentioning to you, even in spite of the slow growth, We continue to generate a sizable amount of jobs uh, in Brazil. And this, of course, is is positive on the one hand, but also uh, raises issues on on the fight uh, against inflation because, with this kind of dynamics, you do have uh, some pressure, especially in the non-tradable sector, in the service inflation, which has been uh, decreasing lately but in a very gradual manner because it it has a very strong underlying uh, job market uh, that we have to deal with. Other uh, story that I wanted to, 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 to show to you today is that uh, some idiosyncratic shots, we had this mid-year 2012 major drought, droughts in the US and with the impact on the price, the price of uh, grains and this was reflected in between those two uh, vertical bars there. Uh, this affected almost uh, every country so we had to, to deal with that and on top of that we had some fresh food uh, um, shocks in Brazil which was over and above the, uh, the initial food shock. so we had to deal with a very large overall uh, food inflation uh, as, as, a, as a consequence of those supply shocks so now it's coming down but it's still at a high level, we see more progress going forward uh, in this uh, in this respect. So, what has the central bank done in the face of this uh, uh, background? Uh, well, we have tightened policies. Our communication regarding inflation has changed even before the tightening process began in uh, in uh, in April last year. So, since say late January 2013 or early February, uh, we have seen uh, market rates reacting to the change in, in language, the change in communication by the central bank. And then from April till uh, uh, until the present, we have uh, raised the policy rate. So this to fight inflation. But also I will, go, I will come back to this issue because it's also helping us to weather this new global financial condition, the fact that we are also responding with tightening in in, uh, macro policies, in particular in monetary policy. So we have done that. And then on the right uh, side of this panel, you see real interest rates have increased since the tightening has begun. Uh, There is we have had a real effect on financial conditions with implications for the economy and certainly for uh, inflation going forward. So, this is a story about inflation that I wanted to tell you here is a very straightforward one. We tighten policy, we are uh, uh, doing this. So, uh, and we've, we have seen uh, some progress in inflation from the peak of accumulated consumer inflation in 2013, which was 6.7. Inflation now in January should be hovering around 5.7. So, we're talking about one full percentage point of inflation coming down in spite of a a nominal depreciation of the currency in spite of still having a very strong uh, labor market uh, in brazil in spite of still having some food price inflation which is high okay let me turn now to to growth and then uh, growth continues in a very uh, gradual pace we have moderate growth In 2013, uh, our prediction is that we will retain growth and growth should be around the same levels this year compared to last year. There are some important drivers uh, with respect to to growth. First, employment, wages, and credit continue to support growth. We'll see each one of them very briefly. We have pent-up demand for infrastructure investment in Brazil. Uh, You know Brazil has been there. I mean, it's obvious that there are very obvious uh, low-hanging fruits in the area of infrastructure that if we address, we can unleash growth potential in the coming years. And so there is this kind up of demand. There is contracted demand going forward, so this will help sustain growth in the, in the coming quarters. Uh, we have more favorable contribution of net exports. You'll see this uh, as we move forward in, in, in the presentation. Okay, the net exports last year has... Uh, had a negative contribution to the order of one percent, so aggregate demand grew say by three three plus, plus something, and the net exports was uh, sort of uh, taking out some of this uh, uh, growth in, domestic, in the domestic economy. For this year we, we see a slight uh, contribution positive contribution on net exports. So we also have seen some rebalancing between consumption and investment. I think it's important. I will talk a little bit about that in our prospects for the Brazilian economy. And, of course, faster growth going forward uh, requires strengthening confidence, consumer confidence, but also business confidence in Brazil in the uh, coming months and quarters. Let's talk a little bit about how demand has evolved. I I mentioned some of these uh, uh, underlying factors that will support demand. The first one is the unemployment rate in the north, uh, northeast corner uh, of the picture. Uh, so you see uh, unemployment is at record lows in Brazil. We have the job creation in the northwest corner. We've seen this, this, this graph before. And uh, in the bottom, uh, the southeast, uh, you see credit outstanding, which the generation of credit has accelerated. We have a pro- deployed a number of uh, macroprudential tools since uh, late 2010 and early 2011 to undo some of the excesses that we spotted, in, especially in consumer financing. So we have been able to decelerate growth to more sustainable levels, and what you see today is that credit continues to grow at lower rates, but in a more sustainable level than before. We have been able to dissipate these um, uh, risks of of bubbles in in consumer credit and in other areas of the Brazilian credit market. And you see the the last part of the picture, in the the southwest corner, you see see employment, real income, and total payroll. So they are still at a positive territory. They have come down, but uh, still they are supporting to the other 3%. Uh, this uh, uh, demand going forward. And here is the result of consumption uh, uh, with uh, retail sales. There's the narrow definition, the broad definition. The broad definition includes automobiles and civil construction. So you see uh, both of them are either around 4% or slightly above 4% uh, in the last 12 months. So still a pretty decent uh, uh, demand growth, consumption demand growth. In Brazil, in spite of some deceleration, let me just turn to investment. And in 2013, investment has been strong in Brazil. We don't have the figures for aggregate investment. We will see the picture, the next picture. But here, capital uh, goods uh, production has increased quite significantly in Brazil in 2013, a double-digit level. So uh, it was a very positive development will it be sustained at those levels we don't think so this year would be a more modest growth but still a positive development in the investment side and that was we were coming from a very uh, low basis so we have an acceleration now we will sustain level we'll grow a bit but uh, in a more moderate level uh, i was talking about confidence how confidence is key for sort of more accelerated growth in Brazil going forward and you see uh, there was a, a major uh, impact on confidence uh, by mid last year, and we've seen some recovery at the margin still uh, uh, a very gradual process but uh, if you see the bar in the in the in the first graph there at, the, at the left you'll see that the, the confidence is around the one hundred level, which is the indifference level between uh, pessimism and optimism slightly above that so we see some sign of improvement. We do have to, to do more in this process. And the gross fixed uh, capital formation, which is another way of uh, defining uh, investment in machinery and equipment in Brazil, you see uh, uh, the uh, third quarter of 2013 was uh, 3.7, and for the year, which we don't have the figure, is something that we believe will be uh, around or above uh, 6% with uh, net exports, uh, uh, why we think this year will be a po- slightly positive contribution, different from last year, which was a drag on the economy, a, one percentage, a full one percentage point was dragged from, from growth last year. But this year, of course, you have, since we are talking about normalizing global financial conditions, because the underlying economies are stronger, the US is a very large economy, so the prospects for global growth have improved. We've seen this in the in the very recent revision by the IMF of the wheel and we see uh, growth in trade uh, and, and on the global economy stronger this year compared to the next, uh, the last year. And we also see on the other panel that the real exchange rate, we had a major nominal adjustment in the exchange rate, we have been containing inflation. It's not there in the center of the that is being contained it's not yet at the center of the target that is being contained so the uh, the result is that we have a uh, a real depreciation which will militate towards also net exports being a contribution to growth this year compared to last year and then we have the contribution as you see uh, this is two thousand and thirteen is just a, a projection there is from perhaps from, from, from markets, from, from, from the readouts of markets, you see a 3.3 growth in domestic demand and a 1% of the drag that I was just mentioning. And for uh, uh, this year, uh, even uh, markets think that uh, the contribution could be positive to the order here, you see, of two tenths of a percentage point of GDP. Let me talk a little bit about growth from the supply-side perspective, and then we have some industrial recovery. I mean, it's very tiny. It's coming from a very uh, uh, negative performance in 2012, so we, will have, uh, we have had some growth in, in 2013. Uh, and why is that, uh, that looking forward, this rebalancing from the supply-side might also happen from uh, a very uh, buoyant service sector uh, into uh, some more uh, uh, sort of attractiveness, if I may say, to the manufacturing sector in Brazil. And part of the story has to do with the conditions. And the conditions you see the, in the left-hand side panel, you see some of the cost, major costs that are faced by by industry in Brazil are, are being reduced quite significantly. And the yellow line is the price of energy. Okay, so this is a result of uh, policy and uh, this is happening as as we speak, and it's been a bit overlooked from the from the manufacturing side. But it, this is an important cost which has been falling. If you see in the right hand side is unit label cost measured in, in U.S. dollars in Brazil, you also see see some uh, uh, market reduction. In the last uh, two years it has part, part a large part, portion of this has to do with the fact that not only the nominal exchange depreciate but by, by containing Domestic inflation, there was also an impact on, on the real exchange rate, which uh, has implications for certainly for uh, the unit labor cost of manufacturing in this, Brazil. Well, this, this factor will play going forward. Um, in the service sector, we, the PMI is positive, positive territory. Uh, we have a little bit less dynamism in the, the, the service sector as we used to have, but still, service sector tends to grow. More than the, the, the overall economy, the headline economy, I think this trend will continue going forward. But we might see some rebalance from the non-tradable sector to the tradable sector because of the change in relative prices that is going on. Part of the global adjustment process, part of the normalization of global financial condition that is uh, uh, falling course now. Uh, to, uh, to end this uh, supply side, we have the harvest. The harvest has been very strong in uh, 2013. We expect it to retain, to, to be uh, also a very good uh, crop in, 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 uh, in 2014. Not so much growth as we had last year, because we were coming from a very uh, sort of a, a low basis in terms of, we had our own drought in the south of Brazil and also in the northeast. And now uh, the levels of last year were very strong, so we will have slight growth going forward uh, in this uh, uh, very important sector of the economy. That you know, it's legendary the productivity that we have in Brazil in the agribusiness sector. But it's still, compared to the size of the economy, agriculture is around five percent of total Brazilian GDP. Of course, when you grow very strong, this is a number that changed the so sort the of, landscape of growth in Brazil. For for the coming year, for this year, I should say, uh, we expect some positive, but uh, coming from a very strong base. Going forward, I think uh, the picture is Brazil has uh, sort of absorbed a lot of uh, great contingent of workers into the labor force, into the productive uh, sector of the economy. And we have enjoyed growth by accumulating, by using uh, Uh, more labor in in the economy. Of course, we are close to what uh, we economists will characterize as a full employment, so going forward, we have to find ways of using more intensely or more productively uh, those uh, uh, production factors uh, in in Brazil. And we have a number of initiatives, supply side initiatives, to uh, sort of uh, do the trick going forward. First of all, is a large program, let me just. A large program of investment in human capital. We also have to increase the total factor of productivity. I was talking a while ago that we have very obvious alternatives there, very obvious demand, very have a lot of uh, pent-up demand for infrastructure. What uh, economists like to call the low-hanging fruits are uh, all over the place. In Brazil, we have a wide-ranging uh, program of investment in infrastructure to raise Brazil's, Brazil's potential output uh, growth. We have a program on infrastructure that includes airports, roads, railways, and ports. And uh, we expect, as we have seen in the last 60 to 90 days, a large participation from the private sector. Not only in the financing side of the equation, but also in the managing of those important public assets going forward, and the problem has been clear convey the message that uh, that we need the efficiency that we can borrow from the private sector to run these very large infrastructure programs just to give you a flavor we have six international airports as we speak which are under construction and under uh, private uh, private uh, uh, Israel uh, and the, the last part of, of this uh, segment of my presentation, and I we'll finish is the development of the oil and gas sector. Let's just run through these slides because I want to leave some some time for our, for our debate. So these are the programs and the, the education on the technical, we have on the technical uh, professional qualification, we had the PRONATEC, which is supposed to train 8 million Brazilians in four-year time. So far, between 2011 and 2013, 5.5 million were trained, so there is uh, some... Uh, uh, space now in, in this year to to, to deepen the, this uh, technical qualification program. On the higher education, we have the ProUni. The ProUni is a, a program of scholarships for low-income students to access private university in Brazil. And we have uh, only in 2013 tw- uh, 250,000 students were under ProUni. I think the total of students under this program is to the order of... Uh, 550,000 students in Brazil. And we also have at the high uh, end of the education spectrum, we have the Science Without Borders, uh, where we send, uh, we, uh, we send up to 101,000 uh, uh, students to study in the best universities in the world. Uh, currently, I have here uh, that uh, almost 4,000 are studying, Brazilian students in this program are studying here in the UK. I don't know if any of the people here are part of the Science Without Borders. It's uh, originally driven towards uh, engineering and science, but uh, there might be some economists there too. And <laughs> it's not it's, a science. So this is basically what we have in terms of... And then we have a table. I will leave this presentation with you, which is the evolution of the schooling years in Brazil, which have increased quite significantly. There is a lot of ground to catch up with other economies. We do have done very large progress in this. And this is also reflecting the labor market because the participation of young people in the labor force in Brazil has been reduced uh, because people are studying longer uh, years and and this has been reflected also in the rates of of unemployment. But the the, the flip side uh, of this story is that we have more qualified labor force in the coming years in Brazil. Infrastructure concession, I won't go into the details, but the six airports, we have 2,600 miles that were uh, sort of put for private sector concession late last year, and we have had rounds of uh, rounds of uh, oil, uh, options in the oil and gas sector. And these are very substantial, uh, related, for instance, to the press out layer uh, in the Brazilian oil fields, a so major field was was auctioned late last year. Let me just turn to our last uh, issue here, which is the exit of unconventional monetary policy, this process of normalization that is going on in the world today, which, as I said, we were one of the first countries, and particularly the Central Bank of Brazil, to say that this is a net positive for emerging markets. We are only discussing this today, implementing uh, action in in the regard of normalization, because the underlying economy is strengthening, so the prospects for global growth and international trade are positive if we are uh, discussing this uh, today. Uh, We have uh, responded to to this new challenge in Brazil in a very classical way, tightening policies, uh, uh, letting the uh, exchange rate flexibility to operate, and using uh, the buffers that we have accumulated in the good times to smooth out this process of changing in relative prices. So I think this is a very classic, you, you could add a fourth element to our strategy, which is to continue to have a very sound financial system and we have implemented, fully implemented in line with the the agreed uh, phasings of uh, of uh, Basel. Uh, we have fully implemented Basel III and uh, A couple of months ago, uh, the Basel Committee has assessed the new regulation in Brazil, and we are fully compliant with Basel III. So a classical way to address a situation of changing global financial condition, policy tightening, exchange rate flexibility, and some financing to smooth out the process in the form of uh, using part part of our buffers, like providing a, a hedge for exchange rate changes so that you can mitigate uh, the impact on on the on the economy, so we have to endure higher volatility uh, after the uh, the uh, discussions on tape began in in May two thousand thirteen. we had a period which was quite, quite volatile between May and September, and then uh, uh, an improvement uh, since then in terms of the communication process of, uh, of this exit, which has helped all of us. And, and when the, the, uh, the tapering began, uh, it was announced in December 18, 2013, uh, I think the market has absorbed it quite nicely, and we have had uh, a different situation as far as volatility is concerned. But of course, this transition process entails bouts of volatility every once in a while, so, and then countries have to be prepared to uh, respond to the new challenges. And in this regard, I think Brazil is not only prepared, but is acting. We have tightened policies, we have endured exchange rate flexibility, and we have used buffers in a parsimonious way to sort of extend the blanket to uh, the rest of the economy. The blanket that I mean uh, the protection against uh, abrupt exchange rate fluctuations. Without fighting, uh, price movements, uh, but providing some uh, 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 protection against abrupt uh, movements. Uh, let me just look at some initial conditions for you to uh, be better prepared to understand how Brazil is, is entering this new phase. We have, as I said, a financial system which is robust and a, a financial regulation which is uh, top, and it's been assessed like that. So in the first column, we have uh, Regulatory capital, so it's uh, Basel capital. So Brazil is the yellow bar. So you see it's this is not uh, information from the central bank. This is IMF, the financial soundness indicators, the most uh, recent uh, figures for that. And you see Brazil is placed. The other column is provisions against non-performing loans. And you see the yellow bar on the positive. You have slightly uh, excessive... Uh, uh, provision with respect to non-performing loans, if I may say so in the case of Brazil, compared to other selected economies of the G20. And liquid assets to short-term liabilities also we fare uh, at the top of the pack uh, according to the IMF. So we have a very sound financial system which is prepared to endure volatility in terms of credit risk, basal capital, and uh, more specific uh, credit delinquency, is provision and then uh, the this challenge of uh, having liquid assets to confront with claims on your banking system uh, which is the, the last column another issue that is important to, to, to keep in mind when you have a, a world where funds are more expensive uh, less certain that uh, how much the Brazilian banking system relies on external funding. And you see, I don't have the comparisons here with all the jurisdictions, but we compare quite well with all the jurisdictions. If you see the last bar, you see the total funding of the Brazilian banking system, including privately owned, publicly owned, and foreign owned uh, banks that operate in Brazil. The total is that under 9% of the funding comes from external source. So you can sort of retain some credit growth without relying too much in this case quite uh, modestly to... Uh, even the foreign standalone uh, foreign standalone subsidiaries that in Brazil, they rely only 15% of their funds come from external sources. The rest they, they borrow uh, from markets within Brazil. Brazil is not uh, external credit. You have the, the reserves on the, on the left and you have the reserves against the foreign the uh, foreign, uh, external debt, so there is uh, uh, a net credit position for the public sector is still there, and uh, you have a strong external debt indicators. First one is external debt to GDP, so we fare quite nicely in the the group of, of countries there. And then on the right side, the short term external st- uh, debt to total debt, which is uh, too small uh, in Brazil. So this is just to give you an idea. if, uh, the global financial conditions were to deteriorate further you have a, a system, you have an economy which is uh, naturally insulated. We are not against foreign capital, not even in the financial sector, not in the rest of the economy but that's the situation. Yeah. I'm just uh, I'm not passing a judgment here, just saying what the initial conditions are at this point to face even a further deterioration in, in global financial conditions if you were to, to have just the final, uh, the, and uh, this is also the portion of the Brazilian domestic debt, which is in, uh, in non-residents' hands, which is small compared to, for the council, you have the sort of home bias that countries like Japan, South Korea have, in Brazil is also uh, the case that the domestic debt is, is majorly financed uh, by the domestic institutions and, and individuals. And my, my last slide here is just FDI. FDI, uh, last year, this is the figures for 2012, the only that I had the international comparison. So in 2012, there was $65 billion in terms of FDI in Brazil. This is put Brazil in third place if you take China, Hong Kong as a single economic area. And then after the US, China, Hong Kong, uh, it was Brazil. This year, our projection for uh, for 2013 were at the level of 60 billion, slightly less than that, but the the final number was 64 billion, so still covering something around almost 80% of the current account deficit that we had in Brazil. So the, the idea that I wanted to convey here is that uh, how we are in those two areas, inflation and growth, because it uh, resonates with the work of the central bank, so I wanted to, to give you uh, this idea as president of the central bank of Brazil. But also, in a broader picture, to provide you with the idea that we think what's happening in the world is an net positive for emerging market For Brazil, you have to be prepared for that. The process, on the one hand, has to be gradual, well communicated. The authorities in advanced economies have to exercise caution and flexibility in retiring the stimulus. And we emerging markets have to respond to the new challenges. And the way Brazil has, has responded is a classical way of policy tightening, exchange rate flexibility, and using your buffers to smooth out the change in relative price. So those were my main messages and my, my presentation. I be happy to take. Question once again, thank you very much for, for the opportunity.
0: Well, thank you so much for your speech, Governor. It's an account of a country working with a sound financial system, uh, still dealing with the issue of inflation at a time when fears of deflation have become a big issue in Europe, Uh, a country uh, which has managed partly on the basis of the central bank's work and the financial system growth with inclusion, reduction of inequality, and increase of jobs, Near full employment, um, a picture that many of us would envy um, in other settings, I won't say where. Um, but uh, I'm grateful for hearing this optimistic account. Um, and uh, this uh, story of very effective uh, policy action. I'd also like to thank Ambassador Roberta Jagari who arranged this talk for us today this opportunity uh, to have discussion. We have um, a few minutes for uh, questions and let me now open the floor to anyone who wants to uh, ask a question let me ask you to wait for the steward with a roping microphone and a red shirt to get to you and tell us your name and affiliations. The woman in the third row, second in. Great. Thanks very much. Uh, Great, Susanna, for legal economics. Um, I was wondering, thank you very much for your your talk. Um, I was wondering if you could comment on how Brazil's fiscal deterioration, um, how how the fiscal side Complicates your role at the central bank, and whether that is a major reason underpinning the fact that even though inflation is stabilizing, inflation expectations remain remains so high, and whether that might mean that you at the central bank have to keep interest rates higher, to, at such a high level that it could negatively affect some of the rebalancing trends that you talked about. Thank you. Should we take two or three together? Three, okay, three, that's fine. Yeah. Let me call the man at the gray sweater there in about the fifth row. Yeah. Hi, my name is Peter Miller. I'm a student here at LC, and author, well for the call, thank you very much for always with me for our lecture. Um, I'd like to ask in uh, your opinion. Why, in spite of the recent monetary policy tightening, haven't inflation expectations uh, declined? In fact, they've been disanchoring from the target, uh, not only in the short term, but also in the medium term. So, why do you think this is happening, and which policy actions you're thinking? Okay, and the man right behind him had a question as well.
1: Hi, my name is Tiago. Uh, I've been reading since November about the perfect storm. I'd like to know uh, from you what does it mean, and what's the likelihood of this happening, and what are the, how, how Brazil is preparing itself for the situation. And within this topic, uh, how come the, 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 the confidence between analysts and Brazilians, uh, central bank, and government is so different and it universe so much? Is it due to the fact of the overconfidence
0: bias? Do you want to take these three and then sure, we'll get another group? All right.
1: Well, thanks for, for the questions. Uh, first of all, let me tell you that uh, the administration, and the, through the President of the Republic, just uh, delivered a speech a couple of days ago, Davos, uh, speaking also about fiscal policy. And what she said is that uh, uh, she will, uh, in a few uh, in, in the near future, uh, define the objective for 2014 and this objective uh, should be consistent uh, with uh, this uh, Brazilian indebtedness as a sort of uh, compared to the size of the economy, to continue in a declining path. So I think uh, for the present to speak about this issue, it's a demonstration that uh, fiscal policy is, a, is an area of priority, and sound fiscal policy going forward is a key uh, policy area uh, for Brazil. So, the, the Brazilian Central Bank has communicated its view about uh, fiscal policy. We have said that uh, within the relevant horizon for monetary policy, uh, the uh, fiscal, uh, the structural fiscal stance should uh, go through the neutral territory. So in terms of adding to aggregate demand, adding impulse to the economy, we shall see a move uh, in uh, the horizon for monetary policy, a move towards neutrality. A move towards neutrality. We're not saying that it's neutral as we speak, but a move towards neutrality uh, going forward. Well, the, the idea of uh, the issue, very important issue that a couple of you mentioned of uh, inflation expectation, I think is something that we need to make progress. I think inflation expectation, in particular, given the high volatile uh, world that we live in, the world of moving exchange rates, and also there are some issues there with respect to specific prices in Brazil, so it has been kept at uh, the at high, uh, still high end of the of the. Of the uh, of the uh, inflation uh, target uh, uh, band, I should say, uh, and in this in this environment, I think the inflation expectation, unfortunately, are very much affected by cu- current prints of inflation. So, as we make progress in uh, in, in bringing current inflation down, in bringing to our money inflation closer to our target, this will be reflected on inflation expectation. Expectation for in this in this environment, you have more adaptiveness in inflation expectation than in other uh, um, in other uh, periods. But uh, our work, of course, monetary policy works. I just came out from a debate with, uh, with the Chancellor here, also with Larry Summers and uh, Mr. Coroda, as well as my colleague from uh, Switzerland on, on this new. Uh, uh, on the f- future of monetary policy as we speak. And uh, I was saying, like uh, uh, the Chancellor, that monetary policy also works in Brazil, and we are seeing this, and we will see more of that uh, going forward. Of course, it, it operates with legs, and as uh, current inflation sort of fuels the, 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 the heat of uh, the monetary policy that has been already implemented, we will see inflation expectations progressing uh, in a more, uh, in a more uh, sort of uh, adequate uh, way uh, with, with our goals. A perfect storm—it's uh, a—it's a concept. I mean, economists love concepts, love groupings of countries, love uh, nice stories, and I think it, it helps people connect with a very complex environment, but. Uh, Sometimes uh, it's just uh, another story that helps people sort of focusing in in, in something that uh, people want to see uh, 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 analysts focus. I think we have uh, been very mindful of uh, the, uh, the vagaries of international financial markets. We have been very uh, responsive to this new environment. Again, we think it's positive, because over the medium term, it will be nice to have the global economy growing. further. But we, we are fully aware that uh, you live through periods of volatility in changing financial and monetary conditions, as we speak, and we have to be prepared for that. And I think, uh, be that the perception or not, that we are responding in a very classical way in terms of policy tightening, flexibility in the exchange rate, and having some smoothing of the process. So we'll continue to do that. And need be, I mean, we, we use this, uh, these instruments going forward. And it's a, it's a very straightforward to address a, a, a situation like that. If the, uh, the perfect storm has to do with the perception on specific quarters of the policymaking, then perhaps uh, we see the need to strengthen some of these quarters. And I think the speech by the president is a, is a, uh, uh, a illustration, a very clear illustration of how the Brazilian administration is focused to make uh, this transition as uh, smooth as, as possible.
0: You just had a very moderate answer on the perfect storm. I would like to confirm that Governor Tomini was also very moderate in manner in the not always moderate confrontation between Larry Summers and uh, uh, the British Chancellor <laughs> in that particular occasion. Um, all right. Uh, we have two people towards the back. woman on that side and on this side. Yeah. And I think we only have time for two questions. Hi. Um, I'm, uh, I'm the am at MSP. I have basically um, two questions. Um, one is that, you know, thank you very much for your talk and it seems very optimistic talk. It seems that the questions we have on the ground in Brazil are slightly different to yours, but uh, we can discuss that some more time. Uh, I have two questions here about what you mentioned about full, full employment and how that's showing some of deficiencies in the productive system and infrastructure and how do those policies link to the industrial policy and if there is any in Brazil at the moment. Um, and the other question was, towards um, this question about, the, about uh, real estate
1: bubbles, whether in, in Iran there is indeed uh, health prices are indeed higher than they should be, and if there is going to be a um, um, retail uh, real estate crash as we have in, in the KBS. Yes. Well, let me just uh, take advantage of your question to to make it a uh, point uh, clearer here. I'm not optimistic, I'm not optimistic about uh, uh, the situation. I think this is a testing time for everyone. We're in a transition. So what you need to, to have is a, a clear diagnostic of the situation, see how you can respond to the situation. And then, Brazil has responded. The central bank has raised interest rate by 325 basis points. Okay? This, Brazil is bringing down inflation. Brazil is using part of its buffer to smooth out the process. Uh, Brazil has exchange rate flexibility, and the real has moved around. And then part of the sort of the humor of market participants is that when you have weakening of the real and you are positioned in a country, then you might endure losses. That's unfortunate, but that is part of the process. Maybe the ones that are entering now, and we are seeing nice inflows in Brazil last week, which was a very volatile week, was a week of very nice inflows in the country. So, what I want to, to convey here is a perspective of uh, policy making going forward. And what I have to say here is that we have a very straightforward uh, approach towards the current challenges of global financial conditions, which are, have been changing. So, this is my view. I'm not optimistic. Brazil growing at 2% is not optimistic at all. Inflation above target is not optimistic at all. I'm conveying a realistic uh, 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 message of where we are, what we are doing, what's the focus of the administration going forward. On the most uh, more structural question that you ask, I think it's obvious. If you see, for instance, say a BR-163, which is a highway which connects the Midwest of Brazil to a north port in the state of uh, Pará, Maranhão, etc. And if we do the duplication of this, this road if you invest in this road, and this road has two large portions of it under private concession, this program of late last year, then you might, uh, according to the National Confederation of Industry, which is not a governmental body, says that if you do that, then you, ha- you can shorten up the, the, the trip between uh, Brazil, carrying soybean soy from Midwest Brazil towards the port of Rotterdam in the Netherlands, you will economize between three to four days if you take this production to Sao Paulo, Santos, and go all the way up. So there are very obvious low hanging fruits. I'm not a specialist in in industrial policy. My concept is more broad. It's uh, looking at the whole economy and seeing that there are very obvious alternatives to raising the Brazil's potential, and this has to do with investing in infrastructure, and we have a model, the model is the, with uh, full private sector involvement, not only in the finance, but also in the running of those things. And I think it's, it's beginning to, 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 to work quite nicely, uh, this new program, and should have an impact on, on, uh, on output potential output growth going forward.
0: Um, I call on one more person, but unfortunately it is noon and I have to call the event to a close. Uh, Governor Fondini uh, has to be at another event and he has to pretend to run and traffic to get there. Let me ask you to join with me in thanking Governor Fondini for making uh, the opportunity available to us to have this very informative discussion. Um, with him, and let me ask all of you to uh, um, uh, remain in your seats to let him and his party exit the room so that he can get going on to his next. Thank you, Governor. Trump.